0: it's colder than i thought it would be i'm stepping outside on a tuesday morning it is right now a little bit after eight o'clock a.m and i'm going for a run this time not a walk a run and there is a reason for that which i will explain in a minute but let me first check the mailbox there is no mail and then i'm going to uh start the measuring the the apple watch here outdoor walk open goal because i need to use the internal app of the apple watch normally i use strava to measure my runs but in this case i want to use the native app because it shows me something very useful that is part of what I wanted to share with you. Hold on, how do I do this? I'm always looking for the. Oh, wait a minute, did I just do walk instead of run? Yeah. <laughs> outdoor walk. No, I'm not gonna do an outdoor walk. Outdoor run. I was missing information that I needed. So now, three, two, one. Now it should be measuring. And then I go up one screen so the workout pause it has auto pause and now it shows me zones little um, colored colored um, bars here the zone one is blue and then it goes to uh, like darker blue green that's zone three and then orange and red for zone, zone four and zone five all right let's start running and I will as I mentioned, explain why I'm going for a run instead of a walk today. Uh, so th- this is something I I've learned uh, from from uh, studying some some running videos on YouTube, uh, and it, it it really surprised me. It's a um, it's a technique that I think is called MAF or M A F during which you are um, encouraged to go for long runs, in addition to a couple of um, short speed training runs every week. But the idea is that you don't run very fast. In fact, the challenge is to run so slowly that your heart rate will remain in zone two to the right here. I'm at the graveyard right now. It's a beautiful day, so the sun is shining through the leaves of these these birch, birch trees on both sides of the, the main path in between the tombs. I'm running to this as a shortcut so that I don't have to run alongside the busy road next to my house, which is extra busy because they're doing some road management so there's only uh, traffic in one direction so the idea is that you run so slowly that you stay in zone 2 these zones are tied to your um, to your heart rate so one of the cool things of the Apple Watch is that it of course it uh, monitors your your, um, your stats over the time that you're wearing the device. And so it knows after a couple of months what my um, what my maximum heart rate is, what my resting heart rate is, and how it varies based on the activities that I do. And uh, And this is different. Let me just walk here for a second because I'm already going too fast. <laughs> I can see on my watch that I'm already in the green zone, which is zone three, which is faster than I need my heart rate to be. So what I do in those cases is immediately immediately as soon as I hit zone 3, I know that I have to calm my heart rate. I have to go back to, um, in my case, a heart rate of about 130 um, beats per minute. And so that's where I am right now. So I can start running again. Really, it's, it's actually more like a jog. And so the iPhone, having all that data, uh, knows exactly what my uh, version of those, of those zones is. This is, this is r- related to age. The older you get, um, the lower your maximum heart rate is. But Apple does a terrific job in making a good guess at what my zones are. So the idea behind this particular training is, if you run longer distances at a very low heart rate because 130 my maximum heart rate is i think 175 so i'm now running at 130 i try to at least because it's very hard actually to run slow but there is an important factor in this in the long run (laughs) no pun intended oh wow look at this garden here next to the protestant church on the corner here it's full of poppies beautiful they just let that grow and uh the church is called the meeting place i like that or the meeting actually it's or the encounter it's probably a nicer translation i like that because it's uh it's that is isn't that what church should be it's an encounter with God, uh, an encounter with the community, maybe an encounter with yourself. Lovely name. Anyway, so the, the idea behind running at a slow heart rate is that your body will stay in what, what is called the aerobic zone. So the aerobic zone is where you move, um, but your body is not overexerting itself. Uh, what happens if i go to zone three and especially if i run really fast zone four and five what i normally do when i'm participating in a for instance a training uh tonight this tuesday evening we'll have running training usually it's what they call interval training so you run um slow and i have to slow down again i'm going too way too fast (laughs) And uh, it's so you run uh, slow and then you run very fast. So it's sprinting, slowly. The idea behind that kind of training is your heart gets more and more agile and adapts itself to all these speed ramps and then slowing down. And it will get more and more efficient in pumping the oxygen, oxygen, oxygen. How do you say that? The blood full of oxygen. (laughs) Uh, through your body more efficiently which of course for uh, peak uh, uh, for races for instance that is, that's going to help me um, but if I do that if I go really fast it, um, the body goes into what is called anaerobic mode and that's where your body is realizing well wait a minute I've got to work hard here I'd better um, use some quick reserves, some stuff that I can quickly burn so we get maximum energy right now because I feel a lot of, my body feels a lot of pressure to um, to, to go at maximum speed. The thing is, what is the most easily accessible energy source? It's carbs. You know, it's sugar. Uh, not carbs. Um, yeah, actually carbohydrates, yeah. Um, so it burns sugar. What you actually want to do, since that sugar reserve in, for normal people is pretty, um, you know, there's not that much of it. The thing is you can do that for about half an hour and then that reserve is gone. Which means that your body has to return to an alternate form of energy burning. And that is usually fat stored fat but the the whole idea of long distance running which is the type of exercise that i enjoy most is that you can keep running and you your energy level stays constant one of the things that uh what are they doing there know, working in the garden i guess well this sounds more like uh cutting stones So I'll avoid avoid that noise and turn to the left here. So, what was I saying? The, uh, The man with the hammer that you sometimes hear people talk about, where they get this huge crash in the middle of a race, and they feel completely depleted, and they can even get dizzy and everything. It's usually because your body is, during those moments, on the verge of switching to... Another source of energy, because the original um, like carbohydrate type of burning is done. Because there's no, nothing to burn anymore. What you ideally want is, in, in the long run, to be constantly running on your fat reserves. But the only way you can train your body to run on that is to stay in the aerobic zone they call it so to keep your heart rate at a pay, at a speed where your body is not triggered into going in overdrive but it's like oh yeah i can do this and so that is the idea of um that slow running which is so hard because i've never i've never trained at slow speeds i was always like i gotta give my maximum effort and the more i push the stronger I will become. So let me, let me check if I'm actually doing that right now. Let me look at my watch. And actually, I'm totally not doing what I just mentioned because according to my watch right now, I'm running in zone five, which is maximum effort. My heart rate is around 150 right now. So it's, it's at the beginning of... The maximum zone. Now I know why this heart rate is so high. <clears throat> Crossing the road here, and now I'm on the bike lane that goes through the woods. There are several of these bike lanes that are um, made with concrete slabs, um, so it's not affected by the roots of the t- trees in the forest. It's a much better way uh, to keep this um, flat over multiple years um rather than using the um not the concrete what do they use on the roads the uh the name escapes me anyway you know the black stuff (laughs) because that is much more susceptible to getting uprooted literally and on my left is the horse path it's a it's much broader it's actually a bit unfair that runners and bikers, the majority of the people here in the woods, uh, have to walk on this narrow path. And then the horses here on the left, they, they've they got this, like it's a road. You could drive a car on this, but there are no horses. There are only very few horses. It shows you where the money is in this, uh, in this town. Anyway, let's, uh, my heart rate is, it's back to zone two so I can uh, start jogging again. So the reason that right now my heart rate is much higher than it should be is that one, I'm not paying attention to it. Number two, this is the first stage of my run. I I just came out of bed. So this is still, uh, my heart is probably thinking, wait, what? Where's my coffee? (laughs) Why don't we just sit in the sun reading the news? (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? So it is pushing a bit. My experience now, after having done this for a couple of weeks, is that after about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, the heart rate actually goes down. My body is like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I don't need to work that hard. And so what I try to do... Is to, is to run at a very slow pace so that I can make, uh, continue to have a conversation with you that's the other thing that probably is also asking a little bit more energy than when I'm just running for myself is I'm recording this episode of the walk by the way, don't worry Good morning. people walking their dog there's another runner, runner on the horse path He's running in the grass that grows on the sides of the horse path. uh, Which is something I wouldn't do around this time of the year. Because this is usually the season for ticks. Ticks tend to sit on the ends of of the grass. And when you walk through the grass, they'll jump on, or they drop on your shoes or on your legs. And before you know it, you're being bitten. Which, is, which can be potentially dangerous. So usually in this month and the next month, I try to avoid walking in the grass. Um, so the um, running and talking is, is a bit more high energy than, uh, than just walking, which I'm going to do now because I have to go back from zone three to zone two. The moment I start to get out of breath, when you hear that, it's usually... A sign that I'm well into zone three. Again, I'm not going to do this every week, don't worry. Um, but I want to I uh, make a point here. Because why am I doing this and why am I recording this? It's because I've noticed that this is something not only true for running. But this is something that you can apply to your everyday business um slower in the end can mean faster taking it easy um for most of what you do can actually help your peak performance when it's needed now this is for me a super important lesson that i've learned over the past two or three years and I'm actually surprised that only now I start to make that connection with my running training. Um, And there is some science. This is not just uh, like an impression that I have or an opinion, no, this is based on on science. This is how your body works. And usually, since we are both body and soul and spirit, um, it's not surprising that what works for my body also works for my spirit, for my mind for the rest of my being. So as you notice, I've uh, started to run slowly again. And that's what I constantly do in this first initial stage of learning this new technique of of running at a low heart rate. I'm used to running fast. And not just uh, when it comes to my training, but in life in general. This is how I've been brought up. It's always this um, idea that you are only on this earth for a relatively short amount of time. So you have to give it your all. You have to use every single moment of the day, all your talents, all your energy, and, and go 100%. If you don't, you're wasting your potential. That is implicitly how I was brought up. And this was something in my upbringing at home, in the family, where it was more biblically motivated, as i explained in the past. You know, God gave you talents. If you bury them, you're not doing what God wants. So maximize the return on investment. Um, but also in school, I was uh, in a relatively modern school, compared to the rest of the country, with lots of young teachers. And so they had been reading up, they were very current when it comes to modern education. And at the time it was all about maximizing the potential of each pupil. And um, oftentimes parents would select schools based on their performance. And how many kids end up at the (laughs) university studying at the university or it was always about like, trying to get rated as high as possible. Now, of course, there are also kid, lots of kids that just came from different backgrounds, didn't have parents that went to the university. And so in their whole environment, um, they weren't pushed in an intellectual direction, but maybe their parents we're totally okay with their kid um, just growing up, doing manual labor, um, being more like having more like a technical education. We more, uh, let's see, I can go to the right which goes uphill. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run downhill and then through a tunnel on my right, and I'll pass underneath this big busy main road here on my right, where you hear the cars whizzing by. that will lead me to a really nice park around a castle where i love to run especially in the morning because the sun is so beautiful or the light is so beautiful i should say and since it's springtime uh, nature is at its most beautiful as well plus running downhill is less demanding so it's easier to stay in zone two so the, the, there was always, for me, um, a, a group, part of the group in class was never going to excel in, I don't know, in, in, in writing and mathematics, etc. Uh, but that, they, they were very good at other stuff that I was super bad at, <laughs> especially like sports, um, social skills, creativity, those aspects of formation of human formation were kind of downplayed almost in my own education because they weren't useful. It was, yeah, sure, everybody knew that um, being outside and, and moving was healthy, but at the same time, if I had to choose between studying, doing my homework, and getting like an A, or in my country nine out of ten was valued much higher than being good at sports but the thing is (laughs) if you never practice sports if you're always studying then of course obviously you will never get really good at it it's what you apply your mind to it's what you spend time on that's what helps that's what develops and so since i was focusing on study because that would be the parameter used to uh, grade me in school. But also, underneath that, was what I thought would make me acceptable, you know, make me loved, make, made me worthwhile, or worth... Uh, it could justify my existence. I know that sounds a bit, a bit heavy-handed. But in its core, it's that, you know. I figured I valued intellectual power, intellectual success, much, much, much higher than success in sports or social aptitude or, you know, being trendy. And so, um, for most of my life, I've lived out of this philosophy that only the best is good enough, and you know how that, if you've been listening to my my thoughts and my meanderings over the past years, you know how detrimental that was to my mental health and also how much it unhinged me even physically for many years when when I started I'm going through the tunnel as you can tell beautifully decorated by the way not with graffiti but artists who painted all sorts of animals there's a deer, there's a badger uh, a, a boar, all in, in green silhouettes, telling you that you're entering their forest. This is their place. It's called, on this fence it's mentioned, It's this is the domain of Gelderland, which is the name of this part of the country. Um, and so I'm going to the left here, next to this monument. Uh, but surrounded by rhododendrons, beautiful flowers, never seen this monument, so I think it 's a very old monument of uh, the first owner of this domain, but it 's never surrounded by flowers, only during this time of the year. love it now i 'm following this uh, this I think is also a path for horses because it 's covered in sand, which makes it a bit harder to walk, and since my heart rate. Speaking up, slowing down again, walking a bit until the heart rate goes back into zone two. Now, this uh, very competitive intellectual approach um, has has given me a lot. Uh, the fact that I speak so many languages and I speak them relatively well is because, in secondary school and also later on at the university, I put so much effort into mastering these languages to acquiring a broad vocabulary let's go over that bridge there because i think this leads me to the castle and then we'll turn we'll go into the park a bit more well i'm already in the park but we'll we'll, we'll circle the the park here is uh a, a, a an explanation here where we are and there is a A wild wall. This is interesting. What is this? Oh, cool. Yeah. So there is a ditch actually here. The path goes straight through it. But there is um, almost like a (laughs) dike, but in the woods. And the the, uh, purpose of this is this park, this small forest, was used for hunting. So the owner of the castle would have a lot of Wild animals living in the, in the woods that we just exited. Um, and that was great, of course, for fun, because they didn't have TV, so they would just hunt <laughs> with horses and, and dogs. But you don't want those wild boars and other animals to walk around your castle. So that's why they built these, these kind of dike like structures, these walls. They, originally, they were three meters high or tall. Right now, they're not. These, these are just, I think there's about a meter and a half left. But originally, those are actually pretty tall walls around the, um, the garden of the... Or the part of the park around a castle. So that most animals could not go over them or would not go over them. They didn't have electrified fences like we have nowadays. So we're approaching the castle if if I'm correct um, the uh, the emphasis on intellectual um, excellence brought me a lot and I wouldn't be able to do this kind of work without having sacrificed a lot of my time and maybe also a bit of my health to acquiring languages and learning about history and studying for many many years however it also did not teach me a very important life skill, and that is that there's more to life than just work. There's more to life than just intellectual knowledge. In fact, what makes you much happier is if all the aspects of your life are, to a certain extent, in balance. And I have to make a short stop here because my pants, I didn't tie my pants (laughs) <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, let me fix that before I run around in my underwear here. Let me put the microphone on the ground. Uh, this is live. This is happening live. But the uh, the the running pants that I'm wearing are my old running pants because the others, since I went for a big slow run yesterday morning, the others are still in the laundry basket. So I had to put on these old running shorts, there we go. The thing is, I bought these running shorts when I was much heavier than I am now. (laughs) So um, the size of the pants is exceeding my current waist. (laughs) And so after running for a while, I noticed that hmm, my pants are going in the direction of my knees. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. Anyway, so, um, where was I? I don't recall. <laughs> uh, so, about uh, balance, what I, what I, the, thing, I, uh, the thing that I did not realize and I haven't realized for most of my life is that uh, you cannot always go full speed. Nor is there actually a reason to go, you know, full speed in life. It's okay to take breaks, it's okay to um, relax. There's nothing wrong with reading a book from time to time or going for a walk. And I apply to that same drive to always go to the max with everything I did. Also to, to uh, my running training. And so I've always tried to run faster and putting in more energy now this whole idea of slowing down your pace staying within your aerobic heart rate zone was was new to me and, and revolutionary because the the whole this whole concept that if you go slow for most of your training um your body learns to stay in a in a different state uh, you're more relaxed and over time, it's just the, the, the endurance aspect of it, that will actually grow a very solid base so that if you have to run fast, if you have to run a race, you'll have the energy. You can give it that extra oomph because you have this very solid like ground base of energy. I'm getting uh, close to the castle now. Here on my left are some of the gardens. And then right in front of me here is the castle itself, which is more like a big house. <laughs> it doesn't have the classic you know fairy tale towers, but it does have a beautiful uh, garden around it and also water around the house, which I don't think when they build this castle, was necessary for defenses, but it was just part of what a castle needed to have. Plus, I guess it's also a good way to make sure that your gardens stay green because the water around the castle will actually make sure that that part of the, of the terrain is well hydrated, which is necessary for all the beautiful flowers that grow there. Also mostly rhododendrons, hello. Um, Okay, so... Let me just get into a slow jog again. I know this part very well because... um, When was it? In February? I ran a half marathon here. And I remember that when I ran that... That was on the domain of the castle. I remember how totally depleted I was. I gave it my all. I went 110%. Which means that I actually set a personal record but it took me weeks to recover. This method that I'm currently following should prevent that from happening. So since I have that very strong low uh, heart rate uh, base fitness if I would run a race um, it would take much longer for my body to deplete its energy. My heart will probably beat at a much lower heart rate than when I was still always going 110%. Which means that you also recover more quickly, you're less prone to injuries, and um, there are tons of benefits. It also improves your form. Because since I'm not running so fast, um, it's, it's much easier to run in a very controlled way. Which, um, again, over time, uh, is something you, your body gets used to. And it's very, for long distance running, super important to run in a very stable, smooth fashion. Um, again, uh, it, that is balanced, because the more your running is unbalanced, the more your legs have to correct for all those um, inaccuracies and when you misstep has to put some extra energy into correcting your balance. Which means that you're, without you realizing, you're wasting a lot of precious energy just in constantly correcting your stride. The, one of the advantages of running slow is that your stride become, will become much more even, which means your body doesn't have to correct all the time. And that energy can then be applied to speed. And so... It almost it makes so much sense. Now, the thing is, I started to try this out last week. And I went for, what is it, a one and a half hour run. It was a disaster. It was so hard to even get into zone two. Like, the moment I would start running, I'd be in zone three. And I was like, but I can't go any slower than this. And so I would walk, like I'm doing right now. Um... And then after a while, the heart rate would go down, it would start running again, and boom, it was right there on the edge of almost zone four. And it was only after about an hour that I was able to do a very slow jog and stay right, barely in the zone two. Um, And I could do that for about 10 minutes and then the run was over. What was much harder was the psychological stress it gave me. Like, this is not running. Like I, I run now. It takes me seven and a half minutes to run a kilometer. That is insanely slow. Even though I walk, I'm almost walking at that pace. So how is this going to benefit me? And the temptation after one try was huge to just let it go. Let's give it up. This is not working for me. I cannot run this slow. But I was like, you know, this is science. This is not just a crazy experiment. Science has shown that this works. But it takes time to get used to this slower pace. Your heart is still like, wait a minute, what is happening? You're running, but you're not running? Oh, it's just running very slow. What do I do? And as in most things in life, the more you practice, the easier it gets. Oh, wow. It's so gorgeous here. I'm on this crossroads. To my left is the path that goes back to the uh, the horse stables of the castle. And then the, the, here, the, the, the it's literally a lane. And there are oak trees on both sides of this path. I don't think it's big enough for two cars. But at the time when they built this castle, of course, this was for horse and carriage. So this would be the perfect width of a path. And then here... Um, on the smaller path here in front of me, it continues in the, in the, uh, in the park itself. And uh, it's, the sun is, is uh, hitting all those the, the springtime green leaves of the trees. It's so beautiful. This is my favorite time of the year. So knowing that signs was on my side, I continue to try this week. And yesterday I went for a two and a half hour run, and lo and behold, it was already much, much easier to stay around zone two. Uh, at times my heart rate was still a bit too high, but only a little bit. And it was easier to even lower my heart rate without walking. So I would just jog like that right now. I'm not jogging, I'm, I'm going even slower. And last week I was still like, oh man, I cannot jog at this slow pace. But now my body's more used to it. So I'm thinking, and the idea is of this method, you do it for, well, maybe two or three months. And that's where you'll be able to see the results. So um, that's what I'm going for. But the interesting lesson is uh, this, this, this applies to my life in general, and it's something I've already actually been doing without realizing it. It's slowing down. It's not working constantly at peak performance, but to save up my energy, to establish routines and habits that can carry me through For most of the year but also preserve energy for the moments that i really needed um when i was working for television doing documentary work that was 30 weeks out of 52 was um was running at 150 percent gave it my all it had to be perfect this year i do work on documentaries but at a very slow pace and what i'm also doing is i'm still i feel in the process of learning how to go slow i have i've not done this in before what is this oh this is private property that looked like a really nice path full of flowers but uh, it's because it's a garden so i'll just continue this in this direction so uh this this process of going, and working at a slower pace, um, to create a new normal in a certain way, is still quite an extraordinary uh, effort for me. And just as it, it takes me time to get used to staying in zone two, running-wise, it will probably take a few months. Uh, similarly, I think that working at a slower pace, living at a slower pace also will take a while, I don't know how much time, before it becomes my standard, my default mode of operations. But I can also tell that now that my life is slower and is less busy, I am gathering more strength. Those uh, fatigue, uh, this, this is very uh, serious. These serious attacks, almost—that's how it felt—a fatigue that I experienced earlier this year, especially in the first few months of this year. I think we're we're mostly linked to me burning the candle at both ends, which I've been doing for most of my life. But since I am older now, <laughs> I don't recover that quickly. And even though for years I've been able to um, to do my the things I needed to do with just six hours of sleep, I've noticed that now that I focus more on sleeping between seven and eight hours, it, it just makes a, such a difference. And I don't have that dip anymore. Um, and there are some other tricks that I tried out that also I think I'm going to walk here because... This path is going uphill, it's a gradual slope. So even though I'm not running very fast, it's much more uh, strenuous than, than walking. There's another thing, by the way, it's like course correcting very quickly. Uh, instead of telling myself, oh, I need to keep running at this pace even if it goes uphill. Now I'm like, I'm going uphill, so I'm gonna walk. I can run when I'm on the other side of the hill. Same thing in my life. So often I just felt I have to push through. I have to do this. I made this commitment. I have maybe not planned this very smartly. (laughs) So sometimes I would plan several meetings in a very short time span. I would have all this social pressure to go to um, uh, all these social, like a birthday party, even though that week was already extremely busy with meetings. Um, I would push through. And then I wouldn't take any time to recover because I felt like, well, no, I I should be able to do this. Uh, Normal people do this. What what are normal people? They don't exist. So I would not slow down. Nowadays, I'm much uh, more relaxed when it comes to these things. If I feel at one point that I've taken on too much, and as you know, the social aspects of my work are the most demanding ones, um, I have no problem just uh, either uh, postponing the 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 encounter, the meeting, or just say, hey, I've had a very busy week, so um, I feel like I need to slow down a little bit. Unfortunately, I won't be able to come. I'm not even, uh, most of the time, I'm not even giving any reasons. Uh, that's another thing I'm, I'm training to do, is to not always apologize for stuff. That not a, a mistake <laughs> the moment I, I listen to my body and i i take it easy so i have more so i can bring my whole life back to zone two instead of zone four i'm doing something that is actually really great so why should i apologize to other people for making the right choices so i'm not doing that most of the time i just say hey something else has come up or I know I, we had this meeting, can we reschedule? Or unfortunately, I won't be able to make it, period. That's it, best regards. And you know what? If people did that to me, like, hey, unfortunately some, something came up, they don't have to explain that, I totally accept it. And sometimes I'm even glad, it's like, huh, now I have the afternoon off. So, little tricks. I've learned to course correct much faster than I used to all right where are we here we're getting into the thicker woods <laughs> how do you say that more trees here definitely still going uphill because every time i have to slow down go back to zone two um but i've also noticed that this year um it finally starts to stabilize itself i'm starting to appreciate the fact that my life is not as busy as it was. And, and this is the kicker, this is the thing that surprised me most. I'm actually, my life is getting more productive. And this is true. I've noticed that now that my baseline mode of activity is much more balanced. And it's, it's a balance of, first of all, maybe the most important one, sleep. Sleep seven to eight hours. That's number one. Number two: uh, fitness sports. I'm running almost every day, but not at full speed, so I don't have to take a day off to recover. No, I, I try to adjust, get the miles in or the kilometers in, and uh, every, you know, three times a week I will have this more intense type of training. That's a lot of time that I dedicate to sports. In addition to that, I'm also going for walks. Almost every day when I wake up in the morning, one of the things I try to do as much as possible is to get out like I'm doing right now. This is still pretty early, although I'm hopefully able to uh, go back even to, you not waking up at six o'clock, I'm not there yet, but um, I'm moving towards it because I like that in the summertime, I like to be up early. But one of the first things I do is to get outside, literally not just sitting in front of the window, but I want sun on my skin. What that does, this is also something I've learned uh, from Coach Matty, who I follow on uh, on TikTok. He's the same guy who talked about, uh, what was it? Uh, th- uh, yeah, to evaluate what you do. And if it's just relief that you feel, then you're probably following someone else's agenda. And if you feel satisfaction... And, and pride in what you did then you're probably listening to yourself a bit more okay where am I going this is um I could go to the left that goes downhill which means I will have to go uphill No, I'll just go here continue this path and then go back to the highway so um coach Maddie said that uh, a a great trick and I've seen this in another podcast as well of a neuroscientist who basically affirmed it Um, when you wake up and you're still sleepy it's because there's still I think it's melatonin in your blood or in your system so it's basically the stuff that makes you sleepy Um, if you would immediately drink a cup of coffee what that does is it shuts down the receptors for that but the melatonin it's still in your body. And so what happens is that it, around 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, when the caffeine starts to dissipate, or at least loses its, uh, its ability to block those receptors, the sleepy stuff that is still in you will become active again. That is why, oftentimes, I would get so tired, even though the day hadn't even started yet. So the trick was, uh, and is, to only drink coffee about an hour and a half after you woke up. And, the, and if you wanna speed up that process, where you, uh, you can get to your coffee a little bit earlier, is to go outside and to have direct sunshine, sunlight on your skin. That is um, the signal that the body needs to get rid of all that sleep-inducing stuff. <laughs> you can tell that I'm not a scientist. The sleepy stuff it will it will flush it out more quickly and then if you then drink coffee then the full power of the caffeine will be able to um to give you the boost that you actually want to have without having that dip so that's one thing i've been trying that out not drinking that would be the first thing i would do is drink a cup of coffee now i wait uh I thought it was actually 20 minutes, but that's, according to Coach Matty, about the time uh, for your body to get the trigger if you go outside. Uh, The other podcast said it takes about 90 minutes, uh, regardless of what you do. Let's see. Let's go to the left. Because I see the cars there, so it means I'm getting close to the highway and to the tunnel. Um, And I've noticed that it helps. And it's not as hard, actually, to skip coffee in that early stage of the day because um, I don't need to be up and running. I can give myself permission to just take it easy, meditate a little bit, pray, uh, maybe even prepare breakfast first, and then after having been outside, I will get my coffee. The second trick that I've uh, learned... is (laughs) is <laughs> is the cold shower um this is i, I read a book uh last week and i think i talked about it on the break um that talked about this wim hofman this dutch guy who's called the ice man and he's touting the benefits of cold showers and swimming underwater while holding holding your breath for 20 minutes <laughs> it's very extreme um, but according to scientific research, he's actually right. And so the, maybe not on everything, but definitely on, on uh, the breathing techniques and also the effect of cold on your body. And so uh, what happens if you step under a cold shower, your body goes into a shock. <laughs> and especially if you haven't been doing that for a while, which was my case, like oh yes I remember this from the time that I was trying to save energy by taking cold showers. Um but then so d- your blood vessels will constrict. Um am I going to the left? Yes, I'm going to the left here. Oops, I shouldn't step into this horse manure. <laughs> so there have been horses here, after all. <laughs> There's proof on the on the ground. So um the, the body will release endorphins in addition to that. It's like when you go and put some extreme pressure on yourself. Well, for instance, run, the running high, that's just endorphin. It's endorphins that re- are released as a re- reaction to stress. So it's a stress response. And endorphins, of course, make you feel great. And apparently this is what happens also if you take a cold shower. Um, and, um, what I do is I try to, let's slow down again, I try to control my breathing. First day, that didn't work at all. I was like, (gasps) hyperventilating under the shower, (laughs) and then I immediately turned it too warm. Uh, the next couple of days gets easier and easier. So I'm now at the point where I can put on the cold, the cold water, step under it, And then it takes me literally like five or 10 seconds before that, that shock kicks in and I have to put more effort into controlling my my breathing. What I've noticed is that the effect of this cold shower lasts an entire day. So Monday, so yesterday, um, I was still very tired after the weekend. I had a busy weekend, lots and lots of, and actually a whole busy week. And I did not get enough sleep uh, from Saturday to Sunday, only about four hours, I think. Um, So on Monday, I was still super tired, but I did this thing. I didn't drink any coffee, even though my body was screaming, coffee, wake me up. Instead, I went out for a, a run, this slow, this very slow run. And then I got the cold shower and then of course I washed myself with warm water. And then I turned it back to cold again, stepped out of the shower, feeling like super energized. I had a cup of coffee and the rest of the day, I was in top shape. I felt so awake and alert. It was almost as if I'd washed the windows of my, of my being and all of a sudden, I, it's so clear everything. And, and, and so these little tricks they're basically hacks. They're using the knowledge that we have about how our brain works and how our body reacts to stress situations in a positive way. And so, uh, um, what that helps me to do is to do everything I do with much more focus and intent. And so, another aspect of this um, balancing process that I'm doing where I I try to create a new normal is uh, um, is is cutting well it's the pruning that I've been talking about here on the walk for a couple of weeks now it's pruning of uh, unnecessary tasks felt obligations car pass, nice Lexus People have expensive cars here in this part of the town. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, I think I need to extend that to pruning. Um, well that's that's kind of the, the conundrum, the, the dilemma that I'm facing is what am I ultimately going to focus on? Um because you cannot I'm not a triathlete, triath- triathlon athlete, right now, in this part of t- stage of my life, I can only do one thing really well. Um, I finished reading, for the first time, believe it or not, uh, the famous book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Um, this book was written in the 30s, if I'm not mistaken, has been a massive success all over the world. Still used quite a bit by coaches. Because even though not everything in the book is still valid, I would say, because um, he uses the knowledge of psychology in his in his time. It's, it's a century old, um, so nowadays I think we know a little bit more than he did. But there is also a lot of positivity, good, uh, per, you know, advice that won't expire. <laughs> Um, and one of the things he said is, um, you have to write down uh, your goal. You have to, if you want, if you want something, and you want to reach it, the first thing you have to do is make it as specific as possible and write it down. And also write down what you're willing to pay for that. Nothing comes free in life, so you have to also include the price which if I translate that to my own life, I have to decide what is my biggest dream here. I know that in my talks with uh, Cliff Ravenscraft, he also asked me to, um, this was two years ago, write down all the stuff that you'd like to do (laughs) and then pick one or reduce it to three and then pick one, something like that. And I was like, no, that's impossible. I want it all. (laughs) My life, my mind... Is like a, a, a Freddie Mercury song from Queen. I want it all and I want it now. <laughs> but uh, Napoleon Hill, Cliff, they're all right. Uh, if you don't make a deliberate decision about your most important goal in life, you will not be able to create that hierarchy of other stuff that you do. Which means the risk of focusing on side business, side quests—you could say, if you can, can use a, a Dungeons and Dragons metaphor—is is huge. And then you could you could you can be a busybody, just doing the little things. But then, are you truly? Uh, are you truly fulfilling your potential? So there's one thing I learned about talents, it's not about the amount of work, it's about the direction of the work. It's about where do you invest in, not that every day of your life you have to uh, work at 150%. Um, in fact, work smarter, not harder, that is, I think, the motto that we, we should live by. And the first thing you can do to work smarter is to know what you're focusing on. So for me, that brings me to this big decision that I need to take. What is my my most important goal right now at this point in my life? Of course, that might change or, and, and it should change over time. But let me turn to the left here, uh, to the right here. So... Um, the the i've got a couple of options um as you know i've talked about this idea more recent idea of creating a communications course to share my accumulated knowledge uh, from the past 15 years and use that to write and probably also film a communications course that can help people to do what i have done then to also help them people avoid the pitfalls that i have experienced and i think there is a lot of value in doing this um that's that's a, uh, that's an important goal is it the ultimate goal i would say right now if i just listen to myself this is not something i want like, if I have to pick one thing I'm going to do on that solitary island in the middle of the ocean, it's not going to be that. I think it's, it's, it's a very good idea, but it, I don't think it's going to be my main focus. Second is what I do on social media. YouTube, TikTok, short-form videos, um, podcasts. Is what I've been doing for 15 years. Um, that one is very near and dear to my heart. I really enjoy it. I also have discovered how hard it is to do this on a consistent basis and even though with podcasts I think I've mastered it and I, I'm, I've been very consistent for the past two years and will continue to be so because this is all part of my routines. Uh, that's not the case when it comes to video, YouTube and TikTok. That's really on and off. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm super motivated. And then a few months later, I've completely fallen off. Uh, How do you say that? I've I've derailed myself and I don't post anything for for weeks or months. So, but it is still something I love doing. there is something about that Mm, validation when people are reacting, responding to your videos. And there's a lot of interaction. That social aspect of social media. Is definitely of great value to me is it my ultimate goal it's hard it's probably stuff that I like doing the most but it's a short it's um, it's a quick reward thing it doesn't give the sense of accomplishment that I felt every time I made a documentary for TV. Um, and that has nothing to do with the reach or, you know, the status of, of national television compared to just social media where the field is huge and the, the, the amount of players is is incalculable. Um, but it's, it's more about the end product, the, the satisfaction of telling a story with kind of like the full scope of my talents and uh, I don't know there's something extremely gratifying of of creating a a documentary and to bring people into my world for an extended time so and plus it is usually something that retains its value over time which cannot be said from 90% of what I used to do on social media so um, this, is, this is what I think is right now my ultimate goal I want to be the documentary maker that I am which means most of my effort should go into strengthening that base um, how would you say that? that that should be the foundation of my work it doesn't mean that I always only have to do documentaries. But it should be the steady undercurrent of everything I do. And every once in a while, like with the training that I have three times a week, where we will do speed work, every once in a while I'll do these short bursts of video productions on TikTok, etc. Or I will sit down for a day and write a couple of chapters of that Communication course. That's how I feel. That's not what I'm doing right now, but that's what I see as a possible way of spending my time and the kind of normal that I want to create. So it would be uh, working at a steady pace, not as frenetic as I used to do with all those deadlines for TV, but just making sure that every day I spend a couple of hours just editing and every once in a while i'll go on a on a journey and i will i will film for and th- that can be an intensive week but then the normal is going to be just a couple of hours of editing every day and then with that experience also of filming and editing i will hopefully also be able to do a, uh, have a much faster turnover of small short short form videos um and what I hope to do is to develop a style that is both quality, uh, visual quality, so it means I there are some, some, some things I need to put in place when it comes to uh, filming in a way that is, uh, makes it easier to use material that I shoot for short-form videos. One mo- very important thing is uh, I'm gonna ask the board if I can acquire a new camera that can film in 4K my current camera, the M50, can film in theory in 4K, but uh, you lose almost everything that makes the camera so, so easy to use. You, you lose the autofocus and uh, you get a huge crop. N- none of that is, makes it easy to use it, but I'm thinking of getting a Sony camera, 4K, um, so that I can film myself in high resolution and I can do a cutout, a crop, in vertical format for short form. There's just, again, it's not working harder, not duplicating effort, but working smarter, film things in such a way, that it's much easier to to uh, reprocess in quality, uh, on a, with a certain amount of quality for vertical video, short form video. Um, but more importantly, it's, a, it's about um, finding the, the right Balance <laughs> where uh, if if I compare my working life to the running that I do, uh, I'd say it's the 20 percent rule in running. So they say eighty percent of your of your workout should be we're running slow in zone two, twenty percent should be speed work. I can see myself applying that rationale, no, that ratio I should say that ratio to my work life as well, where eighty percent of my time that I'm working it's going to be focused on the documentary work 20% is going to be this short stuff and uh, uh, that will still allow me to have something every week that I can share in short form so I won't throw it away it's not but it's not the main focus and it's also quantifiable in that way I can quantify what what does it mean 80% how many hours each day is that, if if a working day is eight hours. um, Okay, that makes it complicated. Let's say a working day is 10 hours, then eight hours would be documentary work, two hours would be short form work, or podcasts, or whatever. I think that's feasible. I'll probably have to recalculate that because I don't want to work 10 hours a day. But uh, see what I mean? It's all about uh, creating a new balance that helps you, to reach your your true goal. And with running, it's simple. I want to run a very fast marathon in the fall, which means that for the couple of, next couple of months, I'm gonna focus on that 80, 20% rule and try it out. And if, if science is on the side of this method, then probably it will be successful. At least it will prevent me from getting injured. Uh, Good metaphor for if you work too hard, if you're constantly forgetting about your own boundaries, you give it your all, there is a huge chance that you will get injured, overworked, you get a burnout. You don't want that. You wanna work in such a way that there is never a risk of getting a burnout, but that you will have energy when it counts, when you need to have it. Life is unpredictable. There will always be moments where all of a sudden you have to go full speed, but it shouldn't be the normal of your life because then you will ultimately burn out. So uh, this is what I wanted to share with you today. I'm back at the rectory. Now, again, I know that because I was running, there was a lot of uh, (laughs) breathing and uh, uh, probably also uh, noise of the windshield hitting the microphones. Uh, next next time will be more normal but uh, i hope that you understand why i was sharing my running experiences uh, because i think the lessons that i learned while running are also good lessons for life in general let me know what you think thank you for the privilege of your time and you know if you want to support me and you're able to i would love to have you as one of my patrons over at patreon.com father roderick talk to you soon have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, god bless